Well, my secret is that when I was a child, I was molested by my stepbrother and my parents didn't believe me. This episode contains discussions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Taylor. Now, Taylor, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what is your secret? Yes, Brian. Well, my secret is that when I was a child, I was molested by my stepbrother and my parents didn't believe me. Oh, that breaks my heart. I'm sorry. That completely breaks my heart on so many pieces. Okay, let's dig in then. Oh my gosh. Okay, so how old are you now? Can you tell me that? Yeah, so I'm 30 years old right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm happily married. I've got two dogs um, and I I live in Virginia. Oh, wow. Okay, so happily married. So when did this occur when you were younger? Yes, so I was molested over the course of several years. Um, I... It's hard for me to remember the exact dates um, and and years. I usually say it's started around maybe when I was seven or eight, and it probably continued for about three or four years um, when I was younger. Um, And so I I would say probably went until I was about 10 or 11 years old. Wow. Yeah, those are some any years are bad, but that the awareness is even is even more daunting because I I do want to say and reveal I was actually molested as well. And I talk about it. I've talked about it before, but it's still difficult. Do you remember the first time it happened? I do remember the first time it happened. And it's, it's interesting because as I look back on it, as I'm older, you know, obviously I can see more of the, the sort of grooming that was going into it. Um, and that type of sexual abuse over years, but yeah, I remember the first time it happened. I, you know, it started as a very much, like my stepbrother would be watching me and, you know, it'd start with me kind of sitting on his lap, um, you know, and then he would sort of play these quote unquote games, right. Where Mm -hmm. it'd be like a tickling game or, you know, like the underwear game and and things like that. Um, and so that's how it started. And then gradually over the years, it's intensified and turned into, you know, much different types of, of abuse. Okay. Um, But I mm-hmm. have to stop you because let's go back first, because this is really important because now we teach kids like if you don't want to be touched, say, please don't touch me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we have those in the tickling and all that stuff. Did you 
like like playing with him when you were you were younger? Like was he like a how much older was he than you? He's about 10 years older than oh, me. Oh god, so he's a lot older mm-hmm. than you. Okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. really it wasn't appropriate for him to be tickling you and stuff like that. Right. Definitely okay. not. Mm-mm. And and I think it was because he you know, I have another brother as well, who's mm-hmm. my biological brother. He's just a few years older, but so my older stepbrother, you know, he would be like our babysitter. Um, you know, oh. when my parents were gone, my, my mom worked, um, my stepdad worked. And so oftentimes, you know, he would be watching us and it would occur during those mm-hmm. times. Okay. So can, can you talk more about the grooming? So if other parents hear about it, they can like keep an eye on it. Can we, can, any of that information would be helpful? Sure. Yeah. So it, it, like I said, it was usually under the guise of, of games. So it would be a tickling game where like, let's say, you know, most you would play the game and it would start off as just normal tickling, right? Okay. So maybe it's, you know, tickling under your armpits or something like that. And then it would gradually, you know, maybe the first couple of times he would start tickling quote unquote tickling, you know, below the belt or my underwear or higher on my legs. Um, Mm -hmm. but then, then stop. And then maybe a few days later when playing the tickling game, you know, it would escalate and he would do it more and more, or maybe go below my underwear. Mm -hmm. Um, he did, he, and then he started kind of creating these other types of games as he would call them. Like one was like the like I said, the underwear game where he would like snap my underwear, you know, uh, the top elastic part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he would do that for a couple of times and then it would escalate where then maybe the next time he would put his hands in my underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would escalate, you know, so on and so forth. So it started off mostly like that, but then he would turn other things into games. Um, you know, he, would try eventually it got to the point where he had basically convinced me that giving him oral sex was a game. Right. Really? And I was a child. Yeah. And I, I, my parents never, you know, I think the biggest thing for parents, my parents never really had a sex talk with me. Oh. And so I, I mean, I was very young, but I also didn't really under, I didn't know about any of this. Yeah. And so obviously as an adult now, in hindsight, you know, it's like, how could you, you know, not have known or, or how could you not have, you know, thought about this? And I feel a lot of guilt and shame about that. But the reality is I just, I wasn't exposed to any of that. Uh, Um, You were a child, FYI, mm -hmm. whoever says that needs to go do some therapy themselves. You are a child. You Mm -hmm. put your trust into an adult figure. How Mm -hmm. are you responsible for being aware of it or not? Right. If no one even taught you to have that conversation or what to look for, what's appropriate or not appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think I I definitely think, yeah, for parents starting off with just having these conversations with kids early, um, you know, about about sex, but also just about what is appropriate and not appropriate, where should art should you be touched or not touched? Or as you said, boundaries of telling people, um, you know, being comfortable telling people not to touch you. I think those are really important. I just have to tell you, and I, I want your advice on this, just because you've been through this 
trauma as a child. My son is four years old and we already Mm -hmm. have the conversation with no one's allowed to touch you down there. You Mm -hmm. can, if someone tries to, you can say, no, stop. I will tell my parents. Mm -hmm. We also say, if we touch you, are touching you, are cleaning you and making you uncomfortable, you, this is your private part. This doesn't belong to anybody else. And if you are uncomfortable at any time, you are allowed to say, please stop. Mm -hmm. We literally at four years old, because I read this whole thing, even six-year-olds know are already exposed to sex that early. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, I, I, I wish that my parents had said something like that to me because I, I certainly would have at least been able to identify, you know, something is wrong here or something is going on, or it's normal for me to feel uncomfortable with this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause it it really wasn't until I started getting older, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, being exposed to more and understanding more that I started to realize this something is wrong here. You know, this is not right. And this is not normal. Um, and started writing about it, you know, in my journal. And so, um, definitely if my parents had, had even a, a conversation simple like that, when Mm -hmm. I was starting, when I was younger, I think that would have, um, gone a long way. Okay, good. I'm just like, because every time we have that conference, we have it often, just so you know, Mm -hmm. like very, Mm -hmm. not just don't take candy from a stranger. Don't get in that white van. (laughs) You know, all that other one that we, (laughs) we have, you know, right. But those uncomfortable conversations with a kid saying, Hey, if this happens to you, I won't get mad at you. You can tell me it's not okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and as well, and I think what you said, which is great too, is even, you know, even if we're cleaning you or something and you feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to say something, I think that's so important because for me, since it was a family member and obviously, you know, a lot of these cases, you know, are family family members, members. you know, it's not a, it wasn't a stranger randomly, you know, running up to me or anything like that. And so it's, it's, it's harder to identify for a child. Um, so that's so important. I mean, even right at this age, when we're, we're playing tickle games, he's Mm -hmm. allowed to say stop and we have to stop. Like we immediately have to, if he says stop, we stop. Mm -hmm. No, not even if he's like acting like he still wants to be tickled. We immediately stop. And we say, you do not have to give anybody hugs. You do not have to give anybody kisses. Please. He's not allowed to kiss anybody on the lips at this age. Even grandparents. Mm -hmm. We've been Mm -hmm. making, because I, just being in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, the, the amount of people I hear every day that have your similar story is, is, one out of every three people. I'm not kidding. It's mm-hmm. pretty daunting. It's devastating. Yeah. It's very devastating. And it breaks my heart every time. But let's get back to your story. So this went on and it just kept escalating. Can you go through that escalation? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it started escalating. So it would start by, as I mentioned, sort of this grooming through mm-hmm. games and creating, you know, games. Um, and then, you know, with it started with him molesting me and then it would escalate towards um, me giving him oral sex, mm-hmm. um, me giving him, you know, essentially hand jobs, um, him, you know, ejaculating. I, I remember as a child asking him, 
-hmm. did like, did you pee or or like being like, ew, you pee because, you know, I, I I had no concepts of what was going on. Um, and so it would escalate like that. My, um, oftentimes, as I mentioned, I do have another brother and oftentimes he wouldn't be around. Um, you know, he would be off doing his own thing. And so he, he never really knew what was going on. He never saw any signs Mm -hmm. or anything. No, he, he never really, really knew. I mean, he saw, you know, some like of the, the games in the initial grooming period, like, you know, tickling and things like that. But as far as I know, um, Mm -hmm. or at least what he says, you know, that he, he's never saw or that, that it didn't happen with him. Um, but, but yeah, so it escalated to that point. Um, and really the only reason why it ended was because, I, you know, I started to get older and I wrote about it in my journal and my mom. What age was that? Like 10? Yeah, I would say around, yeah, 10, 11, Mm -hmm. 12 ish, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I was writing about it in my journal. I remember because I was in middle school and my, um, my mom found my journal (gasps) one day Mm -hmm. and she read it. And I remember she picked me up from school. I was supposed to like go to basketball practice and, you know, she got on like some big sunglasses. Like I could tell she had something was wrong. Like she never picked me up so early. And, and, um, she told me that she had read it. She basically put the journal in front of me and I had, I had written something like, you know, I, I think that I had been sexually assaulted or I'm not sure what's been going on, but I think it's sexual abuse. Like I was working through it in my own mind as I was getting older. And, um, and she confronted me about it. Um, and she told me that she didn't believe me. So, (gasps) Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And you are 12 years old. We're guessing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. God. My heart is breaking mm-hmm. for that little girl. Yeah. Okay. So she shows you the journal. I just, this is so, she shows mm-hmm. you the journal and then says, I don't believe you. And then what do you do? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I freaked out. I like, I was obviously very upset because I, I was like, I couldn't, I didn't understand. Cause I was like, I don't understand why you don't believe me when I wrote about this in my, yeah. you know, I, I like, I didn't understand why she would think I was lying in the first place because, um, you know, it was something that I had written about. I hadn't even told her about it, you know, and she, she found it like, why would I lie about something that I just wrote in my private journal? You know, that, yeah. that didn't, make any sense. And I tried to convince her. Um, and I tried to convince my stepdad, um, you know, the the father of my stepbrother, um, whom we were living with. And, um, they, it was basically what ensued was like two weeks of very like intense arguing, fighting, um, them saying they don't believe me saying that, you know, my stepbrother and my stepdad are terrified to even be in the same house as me because, you know, I'm making allegations that are going to ruin their lives. They, you know, I remember my stepdad, you know, in the middle of one of these heated sort of arguments saying to me, well, if this is true, then let's go to the police station right now and tell them. And, you know, as an adult, it's like, sure, put me, let's go right down to the police station and do it. But here's the thing. That's not true. Mm -hmm. I know so many adults that have been sexually assaulted, assaulted, Mm -hmm. not even by a family member, and they don't even want to go to the police. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to walk into, walk into anywhere and say, Hey, this happened to me. Right. And I think as a child, for me, my thought process was like, well, if my parents aren't even believing me right now, then yeah. the police, the, why would the police believe me? And then I'm going to get in trouble 
because they're going to think I'm lying, you know? And, and so I, you know, sort of obviously didn't want to do, do that. And so we, we argued, I ended up after about two weeks of that, I ended up going and staying with my grandparents, Mm -hmm. um, for about a month. And then my, my parents are divorced. So then I went over to my dad's house and for about six months, I used to go week to week house to house. And so for about six months, um, I just stayed at my dad's house. Um, and I didn't go back over to my mom's house. Um, and then I remember that it was Christmas time and that Mm -hmm. was sort of the first time that I was going to go back over. My mom picked me up from my dad's house. And as we're pulling into the driveway, she said to me now, Taylor, make sure we don't want any drama this Christmas. (gasps) So make sure we don't want any drama. Sorry. I I have to call your mom what it is. She's a bitch. I'm mad. I'm actually (laughs) mad at this point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I shouldn't be judging like that, but I am angry, angry right now. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. I trust me. My friends and people and therapists, everyone has a very similar similar reaction and I, and I totally understand woman, I do too yeah this is the woman that was supposed to protect you when both the, the the mother your mother doesn't protect you or believe you that is actually more traumatic than mm-hmm. what occurred mm-hmm. honestly that is more damaging to a psyche than the actual sexual abuse absolutely I 100% agree with that when I you know when I'm talking to my husband or my 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 very close friends just the inner circle of people who who do know this story mm-hmm. um you know that's what I what I say is the sexual abuse and assault was of course traumatic but the response mm-hmm. was way more traumatic for that's me that's on a core sure. level that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. where that child isn't being seen or heard by the one person on this earth that is supposed to protect them. Oh my God, I'm going to so cry mm-hmm. right now. Like yeah, I want to like hold little Taylor right now and be like, I'll rescue <laughs> you from this woman. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I'm crying. Yeah. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Honestly, I'm so sorry. And we'll get back to the story, but I just have to say that from at being a mother myself, just that must've been so devastating and, and traumatizing for you. Yes, yes, I appreciate that. And it was yeah, it was it was very traumatic for me. And um, it's, you know, it's been something that has affected me my my whole life. And mm-hmm. I, I think that, as you mentioned, there's so many people who I'm sure have these experiences. And so, many. you know, from an outward perception, we just don't know, um, or, or you maybe wouldn't know. Um, but the reality is it's, it's definitely had a huge effect on me for sure. It does. No matter if you, no matter you've done the work you've talked, mm-hmm. you have a therapist, you have mm-hmm. a career, you are married. Those things mm-hmm. take, you have to heal to get mm-hmm. usually those things in a healthy way. So you've done the work, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. still at a core level that young girl. I mean, I I've in my book, I finally told my mom I was molested by mm-hmm. a family friend. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. her reaction at 20 something years old, when she said, well, what am I supposed to do about it now? Wow. It, it broke my heart. And yeah. I was an adult and I've been through years of therapy and 12 step and healing and all of that. And just for your own mother to say, well, it's been so long. What am I, do, do you want me to tell his mom? Like, what do you want me to do about it now? I can't right. do anything about it now. And it's like, ouch. Yeah, seriously. Do you know what I mean? And you you went through that in a 10 times worse level 
at mm-hmm. 10, 11 years old, for you to even fight with your mom and your stepdad for two weeks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then threaten, go to the, pl- like you are fighting for your truth in your voice of what right. happened to you. Oh my God. I'm devastated. Sorry. I'm yeah, so devastated no. right now. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's it definitely. And I, you know, that's the one thing that I think I have always Mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself for always being consistent with it, for not cowing or backing down to yeah. them. Because throughout my whole childhood, the rest of you know my high school years, and mm-hmm. then into college, you know, my parents still didn't believe me, <gasps> and I always maintained my story. And they, you know, they didn't want to talk about it, and often, you know, it was swept under the rug. And there were years where we didn't talk about it, but. Um, it really wasn't until I was in college that, you know, I came home and me and my mom got in another huge blowout about it. And it okay. came up and I, I, I want to say, I, I think it was a junior in college. And okay. um, I, it, we got in a big argument and then I remember sitting there and saying to her, you know, and something arguing and like, and you still don't believe me. Like you still don't believe me. And she's like, no, I don't. (gasps) And at that point, it's like, you know, I'm like 20 years old, probably 21 years old. And I've maintained the same story. And I remember looking at her and I, I literally, this is one of the parts so clear. I said, to her, you're going to regret this someday. And I left, I went over to a very close friend's house. I like cut my winter break short. I went back to college. I did not speak to her for several months. And my grandfather, Mm -hmm. whom I had gone over to their house after those two weeks of fighting initially. So they, they knew, they knew what the allegations were in the the situation. I told him that I wanted to take a polygraph test because (gasps) I just couldn't, bear that, you know, my parents, you know, her not believing me or just the, the anger, you know, I was the so accusations ang- and mm-hmm. it, and the consistency yes. of her denial. Yes, yes, exactly. Because, because their perception of me was like, you're lying about this and you're going to ruin these people's lives. You know, you're going to ruin your, your stepbrother's life. You're going to yeah, ruin your stepdad's you are- life are protecting a pedophile. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, I'm like, and, look, I'm like standing behind you with the pitchfork right now. Yeah. 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 And so I, um, so my, my grandpa was really supportive. He, mm-hmm. he found, um, a actually an ex FBI agent who does polygraph tests and, and you can, you can go and you, you can pay to have a polygraph yes. test. Yes, done. you yes. can. Yeah. And so he found, you know, he's like, give me a couple of weeks to figure this out. I'm like, okay, he found someone um, who was near me in my school. I um, went with my best friend. I, I took her, we went, uh, we, I took the polygraph test. Um, the way he, he did it was that you, you know, he had me write down because for something, you know, for a polygraph, it's like, you have to answer like, yes or no yes. Um, questions. You can't just like tell a story. Right. No. And So he said, write down three of the most vivid memories of the times, like three of the times you can remember the most in as much detail as you can, Mm -hmm. um, in like a statement. So I wrote a statement, um, of three of the most vivid times. And then he basically asked me questions off of that, you know, is, is what you wrote, you know, in paragraph one true or those types of questions. And, um, I passed the polygraph. I, 
sent the results to um, my grandfather and he sent them to my mother. He, you know, once I sent them to him, he was like, wanted to kind of talk to my mom about it. He sent them to my mom. Mm -hmm. And then a few months later, my mom called me finally. um, Mm -hmm. And we had a conversation about it at that point. And can you tell us how that conversation went? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So she, the positive was that she said that she believed me at that point. Um, But the negatives was that she, she still continued to blame me. She said that she believed me, but that the reason she didn't believe me as a child or what you have to understand, I think is how she phrased it to me was that as a child, you would quote unquote lie all the time. (gasps) So, which I... <laughs> was, children you know, and, lie. I know it's like okay, children lie. I, I don't have any percept like memories of lying more than usual. But regardless, it's like you know, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I would lie about what, like you know, taking a dollar from my yeah. brothers. You know, <laughs> and did you Whatever. put your plate away or wash your exactly. hands? They immediately lie. And I look at my son and say, "You are lying right now." And he goes, "Um." You know, exactly. Oh my God. Okay. Right. Exactly. And so she, you know, she, that was my conversation with her. And then my stepfather, he, Mm -hmm. it was like maybe a month or so or two after that, that he called me and he still didn't believe me. He didn't, he wouldn't, he refused to read the statements. My mom read the statements, um, in addition to the polygraph results and he refused to read it. Um, and he basically said to me, you know, I stand behind, you know, my steps or my son and, um, you know, whatever may or may not have happened when you both were children, um, (gasps) is, is in the past basically is what he said. Um, and so, and, and that was, was, yeah, that was kind of (laughs) their response at that point. Now, how did you feel after that conversation? Can I just ask? Yeah, I mean, I angry, really, yes. really angry. <laughs> because, you know, here I was like, already being like, this is, you know, so unjust, this is so unfair, so frustrated that they did not believe me going through this, you know, saying, I'm going to take a polygraph, and then to have that be the response, and especially from my mom to say, you know, I, I believe you, but I'm going to still blame you. It just showed, you know, her distorted perspective. Um, I think from my stepdad, my anger was towards both of them, but the majority towards my mom, Yes, because my stepdad, it's like, at least, you know, in a way, and, and it sounds crazy, but it's like, in a way it's like, well, he's supporting his son. Right. <laughs> you know, like not like he shouldn't have, you know, he should still have believed me and all this, but it's like what my mom, I'm like, why can't you support me? Right. No, but, you but know? let me just stop you. I can't even yeah. allow you to finish this sentence because it <laughs> makes me so angry. Listen, if my son grew up and did that to a, a, a girl or another kid, mm-hmm. you better believe that I would take accountability and have him, whether I love him for every fiber of my being, there is right mm-hmm. and wrong. And I yeah. would get him in major therapy. It would be discussed and listen that is a responsibility of a as a parent to sweep it under the rug is a disservice to the growth of the child that needs obviously mental health and support Mm -hmm. and your stepdad denied him that growth and denied your truth and that damage is is irreversible sometimes 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been, you know, after that, mm-hmm. we really, you know, I, I, I came home one, you know, I think the next summer I, I'm a lawyer. Um, I, I don't know if I had mentioned that. And you I, did. Um, yeah. I have experience, um, working in like with, in a public defender's office and with public defenders. And, and so with clients, you know, working with a lot of people who do commit crimes. Right. And so I am the type of person, I have a lot of empathy and, and, but I remember we went home, went home mm. and my stepbrother wanted to speak with me and my mom oh. and, um, he, so me and my mom and him all met up. And I remember he, he admitted it to my mom <gasps> and he, he apologized. And then, and I remember just kind of being like, this is a conversation. I wasn't even, you know, I was like, I'm not even really, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Like I still needed to obviously process everything myself. And then I remember, so he's done and we're getting into small talk. I was working for the public defender's office that sun, that summer. And he said to me, was doing small talk about like what I was doing. And it came up and he he said like, I just don't understand how you can defend those people. I just don't oh understand how you can defend people that. And I didn't, you know, it, it's one of those moments again, where it's like in hindsight, it's, you could think of a million great responses. Like, oh, what do you mean? People like you? Yeah. You know, but, but of course in the moment, you know, again, I was 20 years old, but, um, you know, and even with that, like my, it didn't change with my parents. He, you know, we, I still have to see him, you know, once a year, um, at around Christmas time. Um, and I, I obviously don't want to anymore. My husband and I are, um, trying to conceive right now. And I think that, now I'm in a place where I think I was able to, or more willing to perhaps tolerate more than I would with a child in my life. And so now as we're sort of getting older into this, it's, it's kind of all coming to a head where, um, you know, I'm going to need to, to address this and say, you know, I, I really, I don't want to see him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and be okay with perhaps that ends the relationship with my parents. I don't know. Um, but well, you know, we'll see. So Yeah. And listen, as a responsibility, as a parent to even get your child in the vicinity of someone like Mm -hmm. him just to me is, and it's, it's like, you have to, I look at me, I'm like giving you a therapy session, but people are like, (laughs) stop talking, Brienne. But the point is like, you have to claim yourself now, right? right? Like Mm -hmm. you keep making concessions going back. I mean, if I was your therapist, I would say, Hey, please, like maybe let's not go back to the scene of the crime anymore. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there, you, there might be a grieving process of you letting go. I had to let go of, you know, I didn't talk to my dad for almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. What I wanted him to be, Mm -hmm. he could never be. And I had to grieve the loss of the father I never had. Does that make right. sense? So this is like for you, the mother you never had and you always wanted her to be. Absolutely. No, I think that's I think that's a perfect way of putting it. I think it really is a grieving process. And um, right, we have we can all hope who others are going to be and and what those relationships are going to be. But, the you know, the reality is we have to confront and look at what's actually going on, make the decisions best for us. And so. I'm lucky to have a really supportive husband and yeah, you know, we're making like our, our own new family, um, which is great. His family is really great as well. Um, and so I think really focusing on what I do have and the supports that I do have are going to just be so important going forward and through that process in the next year or two. So. 
I just have to say as a young girl too, going through this whole story you just told me about, your survival is, uh, it's unbelievable. Like the willingness and the fortitude and the determination and to hold your truth, even in the face of your own mother denying it is just like the strength of that young girl. I just, I'm just, I'm in awe, honestly. I'm in awe because I know so many people that have been through similar stories and didn't make it to the other side. They're dead now because they usually turn to drugs or something Mm -hmm. else that takes them out. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I, I, you know, I think about it often, like how, you know, lucky I, you know, I think about resilience a lot. It's funny. I wrote my law school application essay on resilience and, and I think about it. It's so interesting to me how, you know, some, how we create that and how some people can be so resilient or not, you know, as when I was in high school, I remember going in the midst of all this, going to the library and I bought like a cognitive behavioral therapy, like book for kids, right? Like yeah. to write stuff in like, cause my mom wouldn't put me in therapy. And, you know, I remember doing those things and I just feel so lucky that I I have whatever I've been resilient. Um, yeah. you know, I've got a great life. I'm, you know, married. I, I don't have addictions. Certainly I, I struggle of course with, you know, anxiety and, uh, you know, certain mental health issues related to this, but the reality is I'm, I'm very fortunate, um, to have come out on the other side and, and be, be stronger. I think Ugh. so. I'm just, I'm just in awe of you, honestly. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing this story with us. You just taught me so many things and just the beautiful spirit of a human in survival, you know, yeah, on the other well, side of it. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, you know, it's very cathartic and great to share the story. And I just hope that if there's other people out there as well, that they know that they can be resilient too. So. Uh, okay. I'm going to, I literally could start crying. Okay. <laughs> thank you again, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Of course. Thank you. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Bye.